You're listening to the Bible Brush Up Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Crawford, coming to you from Living Water Church in Plattsmouth, Nebraska, where our congregation is currently going through a reading plan called 90 Days Wise. And as we go through that plan together, we are looking at the wisdom literature of Scripture. And right now, we are currently in the book of Proverbs. In the last episode, we gave a more general overview of the wisdom literature. But today, I'd like to hone in on the book of Proverbs and look at some of the repetitive themes that show up on the page again and again. Several episodes could have been made regarding the book of Proverbs since there is so much content. Uh, In fact, it's quite daunting. One of the reasons I did not make uh, numerous episodes for each individual chapter because it would take probably several hours to cover every topic that shows up in an individual chapter. And so we're going to look at the comparison and contrast that reoccur in the book of Proverbs to give a broad overview of how this book grasps certain truths of general revelation and presents them to us as inspired scripture. Um, The first thing we're going to look at is characters in the book of Proverbs. There are several characters, and we won't cover them all, but this, once again, is an overview of the kind of characters that pop up on the page, and they're usually in juxtaposition to one another in how they differ or how they complement one another. And uh, the first one we'll look at today is the wise versus the fool. This shows up many times in the Proverbs. I'm going to give you a few examples of that. Chapter 12, verse 15 says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but, so there's a contrast here, a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 14.3 says, By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Now, there are so many different um, verses that bring up the fool and the wise. Sometimes it's referencing um, his response to God. Sometimes it's referencing how he relates to human beings. Sometimes it's in reference to how he relates to authorities. Uh, Sometimes it is speaking to his work ethic. And so you just have to take all of these references to the fool and the wise and put them together and evaluate them. Um, But the Proverbs show us definitely that there is a great distinction between the fool and the wise. And certainly as we read through it, we would want to be the people who are wise. So whenever you see the word wise as a Christian, you will want to align yourselves with the principles that are being shown in reference to the wise person. Um, The next thing we can look at is very similar, and that's the righteous versus the wicked. And so in Proverbs 10, 20 through 32, won't read all of that, but there are several references comparing and contrasting the righteous and the wicked. It says in verse 20, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. Verse 23, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. Verse 28, it says the hope of the righteous brings joy but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but the destruction to evil doers. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. But the mouth of the righteous 
brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. And so back and forth, back and forth, this text goes. And there's quite a, a lengthy context in regards to Proverbs, because often you don't see that. But here in Proverbs 10, 20 through 32, the context is focused around the wicked versus the righteous. And we see here that God blesses the righteous, the righteous uh, brings greater benefits to the creation order that God has given us. And the righteous are the ones who prosper. Um, and so in the Old Testament context, that would have been uh, related to the prosperity associated with the Old Covenant under the Mosaic Covenant and the Davidic Covenant. Um, and in the New Testament, our prosperity is a spiritual blessing that's given to believers. But still, the principles are there that we should align ourselves with the attributes of the righteous and avoid those attributes associated with the wicked. Um, other verses that can come to mind, Proverbs 11, 8 through 10 says, The righteous is delivered from trouble, and the wicked walks into it instead. And it goes on to say, When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. And the last one, Proverbs 12, 5, uh, The thoughts of the righteous are just. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. So we want to surround ourselves with righteous people to give um, counsel and, and feedback and to keep us accountable. Whereas if we surround ourselves with the wicked, they are deceitful and we will fall into ruin. Um, another comparison that comes up often in the book of Proverbs is the diligent versus the sluggard. And some of these are quite hilarious uh, to me as I read them, even though it's no laughing matter, because this is giving us a, a a snapshot of reality. There are actually people like this. Sometimes hyperbole is being used to maybe exaggerate the point a little bit, but still it's truth that's being conveyed to us that has been observed and witnessed as the author of the Proverbs has seen these things in action and in motion. And um, so we see diligence versus laziness. Proverbs 10:4 says, a slack hand causes poverty but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Well, that seems quite obvious, right? You work hard, you'll make more money than if you sit around and play video games in your mother's basement all day. You're not going to make as much money that way. Um, and so the proverb points to being diligent and working hard if you want to have money. And then the proverbs will go on to tell you how to use money and what money can do for you, um, something that we won't venture into right now, but still the point being is the money being described here and becoming rich is shown as a good thing. Riches can lead to ruin. Riches can certainly bring sin into the picture, um, but in and of themselves, they actually can be used for good. And so they are depicted here in the Proverbs as a blessing. Proverbs twelve twenty four says, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. And it's those who work hard who are promoted, those who um, put their hand to toil and continue to contribute to society um, through ingenuity and um, just adding to the workforce. All of these things are going to lead to prosperity, uh, whereas those who are slothful, who choose to do nothing, they will be forced to do something. Uh, Proverbs 12, 27 says, whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. How many people are there out there that just won't cook? 
They're just not going to cook. I, I know it seems funny, and it seems like it's an exaggeration, but there are plenty of people even today, they will not cook. In fact, I heard of someone just this past week who would not cook, and so they went out to eat all the time. That's all they did, go out to eat. And, of course, they're going to be poor because of that. That costs more money. Uh, and it all comes from being slothful, unwilling to learn a trade, learn a skill, and use it. Do it. Put your mind and your muscles to the grindstone. Uh, Proverbs 13.4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. He's just in fantasy land, just imagining all the things that he wants, but never going and grasping them and taking them for himself. While the soul of the diligent is richly supplied, they come up with an idea, they make a plan, and they go after it. That's what the diligent is. And there's a contrast here between the sluggard and the diligent. Many other passages point to this and give us insight about how to be diligent rather than to be a sluggard or a slothful person, someone who is lazy. But the, the main emphasis here is Get to work, get after it, and you can accomplish things. The prudent versus the simple is another characteristic uh, or another character that pops up, I should say, in the Proverbs. The prudent and the simple. Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thoughts to his steps. Now, we may be used to using the word simple in a good way, and it certainly can be, you know, simplicity and not um, coveting a lot, not having a lot of things or needing a lot of things, you know, being low maintenance. That's certainly a good thing. But when the Proverbs use the word simple, they're talking about simple minded in that they have not thought things through, whereas the prudent person has thought things through. They've given thought to their steps. They have counted the cost. They understand how to get from the fantasies that may pop in their head or the, the desires of their heart and to actually achieve those things through a strategic plan. Uh, whereas the simple, they just hope that it'll show up one day. You know, they've got those, those cravings like the sluggard, but they get nothing. So the simple is very similar to the sluggard. The simple inherit folly in Proverbs 14, 18, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. In Proverbs 22, 3, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. See, the prudent thinks about it. It sees danger. It counts the cost. It makes a plan of escape, whereas the simple, they just, you know, go with the flow. So that's a few examples of characters that pop up, even though more could be provided, but uh, that's a sampling. I'm going to move to characteristic traits. Sometimes the Proverbs present characteristic traits and contrast those traits. Um, and so an example of that is wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding, but makes itself known even in the midst of fools. And so we don't have a character, the wise, but rather we have the character trait, wisdom, rests in the heart of a man of understanding. Uh, Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath. Now, this is a characteristic trait. It doesn't say uh, the wise. It doesn't say uh, the diligent or the prudent here. It just says a soft answer. So whoever you are, whatever your character may be, a soft answer is something good. It turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And as you read through the Proverbs, you'll find that there are certain characters that exhibit these characteristic traits. Obviously, the righteous are going to exhibit the attribute of having a soft answer and turning away wrath, whereas the fool 
and the simple, they're the ones who are going to stir up anger through harsh words. Proverbs 14, 34 says righteousness, not the righteous, but the characteristic trait of righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So you have a contrast here between righteousness and sin with righteousness being a, a building mechanism that builds up whereas sin tears down. Proverbs 15, 31 says the ear that listens to life-giving reproof. Not a person, not a character rather, uh, but a characteristic trait, the ear that listens. So the ear that listens is going to dwell among the wise um, because they're listening to life-giving reproof. They're not getting angry. They're not avoiding accountability. They want to hear this life-giving reproof. And by doing so, they become wise. They become one of the characters that we're trying to become. And uh, moving beyond characteristic traits, even though that's just a very brief sampling, there are so many characteristic traits that pop up in the Proverbs. So look for those and see how they compare and contrast with other characteristic traits that you might be tempted to uh, fall into. Uh, but circumstances are another element that show up frequently in the book of Proverbs, and sometimes these circumstances give us a comparison and contrast as well. There's a whole section as you go through the book of Proverbs that I would call the better is Proverbs. You see better is a little with fear in Proverbs 15, 16 through 17. Better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. So you get this comparison and this contrast. It would be better to have just a little bit with the fear of the Lord than to have all the treasures in the world without the fear of the Lord. Obviously, our eternal destiny is in picture there. To have the fear of the Lord is to be a part of the uh, people of God and to therefore inherit eternal life. But even in the book of Proverbs, I think you would find that having all of this treasure without the fear of the Lord is going to lead to ruin. You're going to use the treasure in the wrong way. It's going to be squandered. It's going to be wasted. It's going to be stolen. It's going to, battles are going to ensue over it. And so it's better to just have a simple life with the fear of the Lord than to be completely rich without it. And the same thing as being uh, observed there with the dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. We had a Seder dinner last year, Good Friday, and we plan on probably having that again this year. And one of the things that you eat off the plate is the bitter herbs, and it's supposed to make your mouth pucker up, and it doesn't taste all that good. And so better it would be to have that for dinner every night with a house full of love than to be eating prime rib every night in a house full of people that hate you. And that's the proverb being given there. That's a comparison of circumstances. Uh, Proverbs 16, 19 says, It is better to be of lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. And so sort of the same thing. It's better for you to be among the poor and have a lowly spirit uh, than to have to go through all the combat and the battles and, and dividing up the spoil and victory with proud people who are never good to be around. They lead to ruin. Proverbs 17.1 says, Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Um, so same sentiment there. It's better to have this dried up crusty bread in a house that's quiet and peaceful than to have a prime rib with people who are fighting all the time. Um, Proverbs 21.9 is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Uh, so we need to think about that before we marry. It would be better 
to just be by yourself in isolation on the rooftop in the rain and the snow in the wind than to be inside the warm house with a cold-hearted woman. Uh, Proverbs 25.7, uh, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. And so it's better, and Jesus made this uh, statement as well, it's better to sit at the end of the table and to be told, hey, you're my best friend. Come on up here and sit next to me, a place of honor, than to assume that you get the place of honor and then be told, uh, that's not for you. You need to go on down to the, to the end of the table. Uh, so it's better to be promoted than demoted. And these, it is better proverbs are there to show you a difference in the circumstances of life and allow you to formulate how you would make decisions in certain circumstances based on the inspired text. Uh, one more section or subcategory of circumstances I'm going to cover before we conclude for today. And this is probably my favorite. I love these. There's not a lot of them, but uh, the counting the cost proverbs is what I'm labeling them. Uh, or it might be called a pick your path proverb. Um, if you ever read the stories and you get to pick the uh, ending and how you, what decisions you'll make, and so you turn to different pages, that's sort of what's being relayed here in the Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 8 says, the ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but a poor man hears no threat. All right, you have a choice here. You can be rich or you can be poor intentionally. And there are risks associated with being rich. So if you're going to be rich, um, you run the risk of someone taking your life for ransom, but you have money to pay for it, and so you can get out of that predicament because you're rich. So when hard times come on you because you're rich, you'll have the wealth to navigate those circumstances. But a poor man, on the other hand, doesn't have such risks. He hears no threat. No one's after his money. Therefore, he never has to pay any of his money. Uh, we see this in our legal system all the time. Someone's going to sue a company only if they have assets that could be transferred over to the company who is pressing the lawsuit. Um, but if you don't have any assets, then it's not worth the legal fees they're going to have to pay to come after you. And so oftentimes that's the case. And so the proverb is giving you the pick your own path um, scenario here. Which one are you going to do? Are you going to uh, be rich and have to pay up? Or are you going to be poor with no threat of having to pay? Proverbs 14.4 is another one. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. So you look at Proverbs 14.4 and you understand that you've got two choices here. You can be the kind of person that has nothing and it's very simple. You know, I don't have a lawnmower, so I don't have to have a shed to store the lawnmower. And I don't have to have an oil can and a gas can to maintain uh, the lawnmower and keep it fueled up for the next uh, mowing session. I don't have to have a sharpening stone to sharpen the blade. I don't have to have tools to work on it. And yet, you know, it's endless. You have such a simple life because you don't have the lawnmower to start with. Uh, and that's the case with the oxen. You don't have an oxen. You don't have to have a manger. You don't have to have a stable. You don't have to have uh, a shovel to clean all the manure. And you don't have to get your hands dirty and that dirty line of work of cleaning up after the ox. But if you don't have the ox, on the other hand, you can't go out and plow up the ground and receive an abundance of crops come harvest time. And so, yeah, you can have that simple life where you don't have anything, therefore you don't need anything. But then you don't get 
an abundance of anything either. And so you have to pick your choice. Are you going to be that simple person that doesn't have anything, therefore they don't need anything? Or are you going to take the path of having the lawnmower or the ox or whatever it may be, and therefore you're going to have a lot more work. You're going to have to clear some time in your schedule. You're going to have to work later hours. Uh, but in the end, you should come up wealthier and have an abundance that you can celebrate with. And it's not even telling you that one path is better than the other. It's just saying, hey, you need to count the costs here and make the decision that um, you want and go after it. Proverbs 26, 4 through 5 is the last one. We'll conclude here. It says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Now, these are side by side, verses 4 and 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly. And then it turns around and says, answer a fool according to his folly. And you're like, uh, which one? You, you told me not to, and then you told me to. And this is supposed to be wisdom? Well, it kind of is wisdom. In the last scenario, Proverbs 14, 4, you could choose either path, and there's benefits to either path. In this scenario, however, in Proverbs 26, you have two paths, but they're both losing paths. And that's what happens when you engage a fool. Whether you avoid him or whether you answer him, in both cases, both scenarios, it's a loss. When you come into contact with the fool, you're going to lose. And that's what the proverb is getting at. And so you have to take your choice. Are you going to not answer him um, and let him be wise in his own eyes? Or are you going to answer him and sort of enter into the foolishness yourself? That's what the proverb is saying. Those are the choices you have, and you have to pick one when you encounter that circumstance. So that's just a few samples of what the proverbs teach and how they compare and contrast scenarios. I hope that's been helpful, and we will pick up in our wisdom literature series next time here on the Bible Brush Podcast.